0: Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, it's not just big tech that's monitoring your data. Record companies are too. Alan Cross, Canadian music writer and friend of The Shift tells us how the evolving internet is giving record labels unprecedented access to our musical tastes and how the metaverse could make music more virtual than ever. How can you save those old memories from slides like old school slides, negatives, 35 millimeter film? Handy Andy Barrar has tips on how to do just that. to do with your old Amazon Alexa and he tells us how sports streaming is stirring up controversy plus are you okay with online shopping this is the shift podcast are you okay with online shopping Ryan O'Donnell is in Calgary Brendan Kelly's in Vancouver I'm Shane Hewitt Ryan you're the millennial I am the millennial uh, it, look,
1: obviously, I'm okay with online shopping, but I will say one thing that I'm not okay with with online shopping is when you find an item you really like, mm. and you see the price. Price is okay. Okay. You add it to cart. Shipping's a bit steep. Okay. Ooh, 28 bucks for this. Yikes. Okay, whatever. You see the total and you scroll down and you just see the USD beside the price. Only ah. then right at the checkout do you see that the price was in american dollars not canadian you went then you go oh (laughs) i can't buy this and uh that's really annoying some sites you can choose the currency right away like it's in very big obvious lettering like like, even air canada's website you can do that and others it's like they actively hide it so that you think you're getting the best price possible and then sorry you're paying more
0: or you're not paying Uh at all Let's ask the question. There's You've got lots there. First of all, why is Air Canada doing anything in USD? Let's be honest. Um, and, I mean, to shipping, that's a Canadian government issue because that's Canada Post. I mean, that's the cost of that. So, I mean, Canada Post is the single biggest hurdle in front of small business in this country. I can tell you that right now. Okay, BK, what about you, online shopping? I mean, you're frugal, but you do like to find a deal.
1: Yeah, I like to find a deal. And also for, like, I don't buy a lot of things that are, like, in the main... Zeitgeist. I like to buy a lot of obscure things, and the obscurer, the better. So it's easier to find them Mm -hmm. online. Like I find books that I can't find anywhere around town, even on the dark web. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, not on the dark web, no, but uh, (laughs) usually on Amazon, um, which some might consider the dark web. Records, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that that are very difficult Mm -hmm. to find in person. So it's better that way. Plus, you know, with Amazon Prime, it comes the next day, and I can watch all the hot in Cleveland I want.
0: Yes, you can, and it's so Enviro that it comes on a 767 in 24 hours. That's how responsible you are when we do this. I like online shopping. It's convenient, but there's still something that's not as good as walking through the store. I still like to walk through the store, yep. right? Like you get to touch mm-hmm. it. You buy things from Amazon. You get it. It's flimsy plastic or something. It's junk, right? You're like, oh, man, it wasn't a deal. But you go to the store, you can kind of you know touch it, feel it, you know, you get the quality that is that you're looking for. That's the catch when you can touch it. Now, before online shopping, there was one way to buy things without having to leave your house, and that was shopping channels. In particular, even late night infomercials and the full on shopping channels where the hosts would show off products and get buyers to call in. And if you call in, the next five people get two for one, right? Amazing. Now, there have been some rather embarrassing moments on live TV, however, here's one host falling after getting a little bit excited about hairspray.
1: That's when I flipped her hair back. Did you see the difference of this hair? My God, yeah. Look at that. Is that gorgeous? It's beautiful. Now, let me look at the back i am telling you this hairspray is amazing now do you love my plump and thick i absolutely. i keep like eight cans at a time oh forever. girl let me give you a
2: can that is good <laughs> oh, that uh, one's gotta go <laughs> i fell on
0: my booty oh wow did he just say do you love my plump and thick yeah
1: plump and thick hairspray and then he just oh. falls falls wow
0: Okay. Nice booty. Um, well, things do, do get exciting, and you have to give them credit because when you know they were doing these kinds of shows, they would get the listener, the viewers involved. You're sitting at home in your recliner on the phone, one eight hundred shop now or something like that, and then which actually works by the number of digits. And so, don't call that number just in case it's real. Um, and like a really great, cool way to be able to buy. You give your credit card number, you get your stuff. Right? Exciting. Just urgency. There was also a time that a ladder demo ended with someone f- uh, failing, falling down, and not climbing up. Hi, you're on okay. there with Lisa and
2: Kevin.
3: What's your name? Hi, Lisa. It's Renee from California.
2: Hey, Renee. Chris is over there, kind of, kind of giving <laughs> us a look at how to use the ladder. There. I got to tell you something. I have this ladder. It mm-hmm. is awesome. Oh, now what? Did everybody use it for, Renee? wants. Everybody wants this with um, vaulted ceiling. Uh oh. Okay, we're going to make sure that Chris is okay, and that has never happened.
0: Well, you know, it's a very slippery floor up there in front of our doors sometimes. Oh, oh boy, (laughs) and that has never happened. Does that not sound like a planted call where someone's calling from the green room in the back of the TV studio going, I, because not only they're not shopping, they're basically calling and saying, I have it, and it's amazing.
1: Yeah she's just like uh, endorsing and back away.
0: <laughs> yeah and oh that has never happened. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Um now TikTok is entering the industry of shopping. 2022 the shopping channel has a new rival. It's called TikTok. The social media platform is entering a partnership with Los Angeles-based Talk Shop Live to launch its live shopping platform in North America by outsourcing its operation, which is funny that they're outsourcing it to the North America. Times have changed. According to Reuters, ByteDance owned TikTok's live shopping platform, TikTok Shop, is available in Asian markets, including Thailand, Malaysia, Vietnam. It launched in the U.K. last year. TikTok Shop allows users to buy products through links on the app during live broadcasts. And the Talk Shop Live app works on a similar concept. Now, they're going to have to finalize the deal. and No one's actually acknowledging the deal. You can already buy products on TikTok from the videos and stuff. This would be a live streaming shopping channel where you can literally just buy things from video blogs and posts and all of that. Just to be clear... They are doing a big deal and gigantic announcement around something that has already existed forever. It's just happening on an app online, just to be clear. It'll work. It, will, it work. will work. It's, it's always worked. Right? You
1: see the ads all the time on TikTok for products. There are ads on this app, uh, and more so lately, I would say. And a lot of it is endorsements. A lot of it is, you know, I found this product on Amazon, blah, blah, blah. But a, a constant live stream, because a lot of people live stream on that app. I don't like live streaming. Uh, they... Will watch it and they'll get engrossed in it and it's consume, consume, consume. I this is they're going to make so much money off of this despite the, the fact Sham that chain. It, yeah, yeah. It's like they are personifying the ShamWow guy. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they got a cameo from him, even though he yep. did some questionable things and I'm pretty sure he went to jail.
0: Uh, like the there, I don't know. I'm not going to uh, accuse anybody of anything. But there's the other. There's a couple of other guys because one guy passed away and then his best friend Playmates. started doing it. Yeah. yeah. And so there's, yeah, there's all kinds of, of those, those guys that did that. So, I mean, this is going to make money. I want to paint a picture for you, though. Here's Shane's bet over a beer in an envelope. You ready? This is what it's going to become, Ryan. You're watching an NFL game. Nope. Change that better. You're watching a basketball game. It's live streaming and it's going to be, cause we talked about this with Handy Andy. You can catch it on the podcast about betting and it's going to come up just as, just as, uh, Trying to think of a basketball player who's still playing the game. LeBron James. Um, Bronny James, let's go younger. His kid is just about to take a shot, and you up on the screen comes up. Will he make it? Yes or no? Default bet five bucks. And you just, just as you about to take the shot, you hit the button. It's like five bucks. He makes it. Splash. Ding ding, 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 ding. Your app gets coins falling down over your screen. You just made five bucks. So that's the betting part. That's what's going to happen. What's going to happen again is they're going to the whistle's going to blow. They're going to be lining up for three for uh, foul shots from the from the top of the key, and they're going to do a shot of his shoes. And they're going to be like Bronny's new Nikes. Order now, save ten percent. And you just touch his shoes on the broadcast, and it's going to bring up the cart, and you're going to enter your size and buy. And now you just made your 5 bucks off the, on the, the splash, and you're going to spend $300 on his shoes, and they're going to arrive tomorrow. And th- that is what sports is going to become. You're going to literally buy the hockey stick from the player. You're going to buy uh, the makeup from the model. You're going to buy the shoes from the player. You're literally going to do it live in the game by the products. That's my bet in an envelope what this is going to look like. Yeah, I don't
1: disagree. Celebrity endorsements are absolute, are unavoidable right now. And you're right. They're going to find ways to take the the slot machine tactic of lights mm-hmm. and colors and sounds to make you feel like you're winning They do it constantly. in the games.
0: Candy Crush, right? Yeah, so, it's the same technique. Yep. Then, you, then it's also going to go and you watch. Then there's going to be Chance the Rapper standing on the sidelines. You're going to be like, you like his t-shirt or you like his hat? Touch his head and buy that hat right now. That's what it's going to be. That's All-Star games are going to be the ultimate cash cow of buy this necklace, buy that hat, buy this t-shirt, buy those sneakers. It's exactly what it's going to be. Like it, with liquor, if they could deliver liquor that fast, it would be here's your Budweiser commercial at the Super Bowl and you touch the thing and all of a sudden the Budweiser truck pulls up outside and drops off beer. Like that's literally what it's going to become. It was kind of exciting, but it's really really like we it's sit in this beer. world Well, it is dystopian. I mean, it's, I'm a fan of, like, I'm a capitalist, right? Like, people will buy it. If you make it, they will buy it. And, but we just buy it to buy it. And I have no problem with people buying things. I have a problem with people miss selling things and lying about the quality and and all those things. That part I'm not keen on. The BS marketing, but the, if it's legit and you want the sneakers and you love the sneakers because they're your favorite color blue, then buy the sneakers. But don't tell me that you're environmentally responsible when you're wasting, um, You're buying so much consumer product that's in packaging and shipping and all of these things. I mean, if you need a pair of shoes, you buy a a pair of shoes. The shoes get delivered, perfect. But if you're buying this and buying that and buying this, and then you claim that I'm going to be I'm environmentally responsible because I drive an electric car, that to me is where this goes all sideways. So there is a responsibility that we have as people to, if you want to go and shop, then go and shop, but don't waste stuff you can't that was very very preachy of me but i'm okay with it because i think we're missing the point on that one so it's the shift i'm shane hewitt are you okay with no i'm not i don't even want to say it lice oh ugh. i've never had it knock on
1: knock on wood i mean I made it through childhood without the encounter but i know what to do if it ever happens mayonnaise or peanut butter or um you know you drown you, you put it on your scalp and it like drowns the lice or you use the medical stuff
0: yeah or you go get the medical stuff and come through yeah bk do yeah. you have this problem uh, no i don't have the problem i
1: i find the question interesting
0: who is are you okay with life uh,
1: who is okay is there a f- strange fetish where people
0: are okay Ooh. with lice like I don't, I, don't, know. I don't know. Lice PETA. I have I have oh. a uh, PETA. PETA <laughs> would probably do a campaign that's protect the lice, don't kill yeah. the lice, set them free outside. Yeah. Pull them out of your kids' hair with tweezers and set them free outside. Go outside and shake um, your I head. have a life story. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I have a life story. I was taking a dance class and I was sitting on the couch at the dance studio. And my daughter was there with me and we're sitting on the couch and she leaned over and I put my arm around her and I put my head down on her, on her head. And I looked down and I saw something move. Oh no. I was like, what is that? So I kind of parted her hair and it was, it was just kind of like you see on the, <laughs> give me the shivers, just tell you the story. And then he was kind of like this little scurry. I was like, we got to go. I'm not feeling well. We're going to go home. Have a good day. Left the class didn't do anything went straight to the 24-hour pharmacy got the 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 drugs the squirt through the hair comb out the lice stuff followed the instructions did the thing did the combing did the shampooing did whatever did it again texted uh, her mom said hey by the way pretty sure the kids got lice did it again, got rid of it from there. It was so disgusting to see these crawly things going through the hair. Oh, my God. And if you ever... Okay, remember when COVID came around and then you get like a sniffle and you'd be like, oh, right? Yeah. That's what this is. You know when you see a spider in your room and then you can't find it, but it's time to go to bed? And then everything you feel on your skin, you're like, is that the spider? That is exactly what it's like when lice has been come into your life. Is that every single little twinge in your scalp? <laughs> You're checking, and oh God, it's the worst. I envy Brendan Kelly and his shiny head. <laughs> yeah. If
1: I got lice, I just take It'd it, it right just, off. Yeah, just take it yeah. off and just throw it away. Flick them.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, lice lives in your hair. Elementary schools hate it because when one kid gets it, they all get it, sharing hats and all those things. There are some new recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics on head lice. You might find them surprising. I find this conversation quite disgusting, and I don't feel very good. One of the key points is that infestations aren't that big of a deal, but missing school is.
3: The stigma that kids hold is they sometimes, if they have a severe case of head lice and it's not addressed, they're bullied. The bugs will sink to the bottom.
2: (laughs) That stigma, according to a new report from the American Academy of Pediatrics, is what can cause the most harm to children dealing with or even suspected of having lice. In new guidance, the AAP says head lice screening programs in schools aren't effective and instead stigmatize children. The AAP also says children should not be allowed to miss school because of lice or lice eggs called nits.
1: Even though lice is a huge inconvenience for a lot of people, it doesn't pose a health risk the same way COVID would or, or influenza would.
3: Dallas pediatrician Dr. Marcello Kendo
2: reiterates that head lice is not a health hazard or a result of poor hygiene.
0: I'm pretty sure it is, actually. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty no. sure the hygiene part helps get it cleaned up. Just saying. I mean, having bad hygiene does not mean that you get lice, but not having good hygiene certainly can make you prone for things like lice. That's from NBC4, by the way. The AAP, ran down in the States, recommends that treatments that are safe and age-appropriate should rapidly rid the individual of live lice and nits. The eggs, ugh, the eggs, ugh. it should be easy to use and affordable. Yes, without a doubt. Um... I, why is it the school's responsibility to look for head lice? Shouldn't that, isn't that a parent thing? Just well, that do up the there. do the
1: screenings. I mean, that's fair. I mean, the, like the kid getting picked out because they got lice. Ew, he's got the cooties. Like that's a very real thing. I mean, there's an entire sure. episode of South Park based on that idea. On it, no matter
3: alone.
1: What. But I feel like the school could just do a better job of like, hey this kid's got lice, you know, it, it just not making a big deal out of it. Cause I feel like, yes, the addressing stigma is great. Like you have to do that. Absolutely. But like, can you, I just feels weird. Like, yeah, you've this? got a whole head of lice. Let's send them to school. That's just, yeah. that doesn't, so, okay,
0: Hey, by the way, your kid has lice. It's time for you to go home. Your kid can come back tomorrow after they've had their first treatment tonight. Yeah. Is that a big yeah. deal? I, right. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. I, I just, I don't understand, like, sure, stigma, whatever, but boys have cooties too, so everyone's got cooties when you're in school, and why is the school having to look for lice? Parents, it's your kid. Check your kid out once in a while. Just saying. Do you have time for one more? Can we do one more? Let's do one more. Yeah, this is a good one. We got to do this one. Are you okay with... Ryan's very excited about this one. Am I? Celebrity endorsements.
1: Some of them. Yeah. I mean, there's too many. It's just, uh, I don't need everything that I consume to be endorsed by a celebrity. If it's got intention behind it, if I actually feel like somebody I respect works on a project and a product to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Uh, but I, it's just, there's too many, especially all the cryptocurrency endorsements. I mean, come on, stop please. So uh, 50-50 for me right now. I would say there's too many.
0: Well, they're actors. They'll do their acting thing. Why not?
1: Athletes, musicians, artists, everybody. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, Taco Bell has found his new spokesperson, former SNL star Pete Davidson. In a new ad called The Apology, Taco is saying it's sorry for going too far for cooking up too many innovative breakfast offerings. Sometimes
2: we go too far. I have, and that's why Taco Bell has hired me to make an apology for them. Go ahead, say sorry. Huh? Taco Bell went a bit crazy when it's breakfast. It Who's too much. What you need in the morning is tasty, simple food: fluffy eggs, melty cheese, sausage, hash browns. Maybe wrap it in a warm tortilla.
0: That's a breakfast crunch wrap.
2: Well, they should open a restaurant that only serves those breakfast crunch things.
0: You riffing, or is this part of the commercial? I
2: don't know. I didn't read the script.
0: Well, the Taco Bell chain plans to refocus its efforts on more conventional breakfast items like a burrito after you're drunk at the bar. That'd be a great idea. Have it for breakfast. It's fascinating to compare this campaign to another time when another fast food giant apologized for their bad food. Domino's launched its pizza turnaround campaign in the late 2000s. They actually asked customers to send pictures of their pizza, good and bad. This is not acceptable Bryce in Minnesota You shouldn't have to get this from Domino's We're better than this When we launched Pizza.com, We asked our customers to be the photographers And we've been thrilled by the results But this, it really gets me upset I'm Patrick Doyle, the CEO of this company We're not going to fail We aren't going to deliver pizzas like this I guarantee it So we're extending our 5.99 inspired pizza deal Because we want to see even more of your pizza shots We're still listening We're going to learn, we're going to get better so basically they're saying we're still making crappy product so send us the pictures just get it for cheaper. But it worked. The following year the company experienced a 14.3% quarter of the gain uh, which is great. It's great? And Domino's is so popular now I think it's pretty darn popular. So much I would better. say they did a really good job. Way and better. It's good. Yeah. Way better. This is the Shift podcast. More and more, we are finding that our stuff is going online. Now, we've all heard of the cookie cutter that is pop music today. The more information we get, the more we learn about human behavior marketing is taking over all the things what if that crosses over into the world of music alan cross the uh, music guru and friend of the shift that he is the ongoing history of new music is the podcast at curiouscast.ca plus of course uh he's just the music guy alan cross is here with us now hey buddy hey what's up well i appreciate you coming in you've got a pretty wicked article here that sort of describes how the music industry is not necessarily what it used to be. I imagine, Alan, the old stories where you'd have like an A&R guy or gal going to some college campus, listening in some dingy bar to the band and watching the kids react and going, this is the next big thing. Nope, it's all analytics and digital now. They're mining our lives.
2: Well, one of the things they're doing is watching TikTok very closely because TikTok seems to be a, a an amazing breeding ground for all kinds of of new acts. Uh, We've seen a number of acts break out of TikTok. Uh, For example, there's this guy from Massachusetts. We don't know anything about him other than his name is Boy With Uke. And he always poses in some sort of silhouette or with a mask on or something, um, holding a ukulele. And uh, he works out of his house. He does everything on his own. He records everything on a Mac with GarageBand, and if you know anything about GarageBand, it's not the easiest program to work with. But he puts out some some really catchy, um, really heartfelt, lyrically interesting songs, and puts them up uh, online and makes them available for you uh, for TikTok. And he's just exploded. He's got millions of TikTok views, and as a result, has been signed by uh, Universal Music Canada. And Republic Records in the United States, and and this is the result of, of people sitting in a uh, room at a record label someplace, not going out to a smoky club or going out to you know uh, some rehearsal studio. It's sitting, watching TikTok videos, and seeing exactly who's going to blow up. And and you know here's here's another one, another example of, of, of what uh, of what can happen. I'm going to find you another one here in just a second. Um, this is something that's fascinated me for for quite. Quite some time. Um, let's go to this person um, called David, and it's spelled D, the number four, and then VD. Um, he's got a song out right now called Romantic Homicide, which is another song that first found love via the TikTok community. The last time I checked, uh, it's been used in 250,000 clips. It hasn't been played 250,000 times, it's been used in 250,000 clips. So, uh, and he's got a major label deal with Interscope Records, which is part of Universal. So uh, that's, that's how things are going right now. Uh, the record labels, you know, they'll still send people out to the bar to see certain bands. But a lot of the big stars that we're seeing on the charts right now um, have never played a live
3: gig.
0: Yeah, that's a thing. That's literally a thing. I remember 10 years ago, I had a friend of mine. He was like that. He was so far ahead of the curve. He, you know, liked to write his own rap and everything else, but he had zero desire to perform.
2: Well, this is an interesting. He actually
0: was a business owner. He just did it on the side. Yeah,
2: this is an interesting thing, and and it creates some problems because if you blow up to a certain extent, you're expected to go on tour because that's where you're going to make all your money. Mm -hmm. So uh, these these TikTok stars have one or two songs, um, not a full set necessarily, and they have no experience in playing in front of a crowd. So it it creates some really awkward moments, and there are also issues too. If If you are a TikTok star and your music is being used on TikTok, TikTok has to pay you and uh, you'll make a, you know, if you're, if you're making, if your song's popular, you're going to make a lot of money. But then if you sign to a record label, well, all of a sudden you have to share the profits so it's not always advantageous for a TikTok star to sign a record label because all of a sudden there are more cooks in the kitchen and it gets kind of weird. So, um, yeah, things were a lot different than they used to be when you'd send a guy out to see a band at midnight on a Tuesday yeah. and, and hope that they'd come back with a, with a signing.
0: Well, and that must be so hard for some of the artists. I don't, maybe some of them have shared with you that, you know, maybe you made $100,000 off of TikTok. Do you cash in and just keep your hundred grand and go, that was great? Or do you roll the dice and start doing the splits? I mean, I had one independent singer friend. She had to make 400% of her income from last year in order to pay everybody for this year. So she just ended up working harder to basically make the same amount of money. She had a record label now. She had all kinds of people doing the work, but her workload was four times as much. Her earning was four times as much to get to the same net effect. And that must be tempting to just cash out and take the money.
2: A lot of people have made the mistake and not cashed out and are in the same position as your friend. So yeah, it's it's so strange the way the music industry has, has moved in such a short period of time. I mean, we weren't talking about TikTok four years ago were we but all of a sudden now it's become one of the biggest drivers of culture it's it's one of these uh these these digital unicorns that's you know they're eating eating instagram's lunch right now instagram is really worried about this and youtube has had to come up with something to uh, to counteract uh, the the impact of tiktok and and you know right now with every every artist basically will carve about 30 seconds of a song and upload it to TikTok with the blessing for anybody to use it in the hopes that it becomes a a hit and they make some money from it.
0: Yeah, and the old days when you would have to get paid by the commercial to run your song and the commercial pay-per-use, all that stuff. So you had to become big first before you you did that. So it is an absolute reversal of of everything that's going on. But when we look at this article that you have here at globalnews.ca about all things digital, the future of the metaverse and all of these things, Alan Cross, you, I mean this is shifting in a way where these record labels are literally seeing everything that we're doing anyway, so they can tell, if you like this song, these are the kinds of things that you look at.
2: Absolutely, and that's the whole thing. Analytics and data are the the new oil. Um, everybody wants to know what the general public is doing, what they're thinking, what they like, what they don't like, how long they spend with something, how long they don't spend with something, and and all this this information is, is useful in you know, a couple of things. First of all, you know, feeding us more of what we apparently want and B selling stuff back to us because, you know, when you use Facebook, you think you're, you're doing it for free. You're actually not, uh, you get to use the software for free, but in exchange, you give Mark Zuckerberg all this personal data about you, which he then uses to make billions and billions of dollars. So basically if you're on Facebook, you're working for Facebook for free. Uh, And and none of these social media companies are giving us or telling us what kind of data that they actually have on us and what they're doing with it. And that's why things are evolving into this new thing called Web3, which is, oh, God, we don't have enough time to explain exactly what it is. But basically, it puts data and information back into the hand of creators and offers ownership of things in the digital space.
0: So how does that benefit them? How does that benefit us? My, my first look, at least maybe the older analytics look, would be that if I listen to, uh, pick an artist, uh, something that is alty. Let's go stereotyped. Something that is alty. Maybe I like the Arkells. So now I like the Arkells. I also check out everything to do with Subarus. I also like Canoes. And um, I also like Plaid. So they can see all that. They can see that. So if they want to advertise, some an advertiser, they want to sell an Arkell song to an advertiser, they can literally say, these are the kinds of users that listen to Arkell music. These are the kinds of data and things they look at. It's perfect for your product. Actually, They can do that. Now.
2: They can, but what they're more concerned with is not just that you're an Arkell fan, but what kind of a music fan are you, period. And no. okay, well, this person will listen to our but they'll also listen to the Beatles. And they'll also listen to Rihanna and they'll also listen to Justin Bieber. You know, what sort of uh, data can we get from this person that gives us these, these uh Venn diagram points over what this person really likes? So mm-hmm. it's it's not so much um, individual interests, it's your interest overall, which you know will create a psychological profile, an online profile of you that they can use to sell stuff to. Now, when we get to web three, um, and again, it's it's hard to explain, but basically what will happen is that this sort of data will uh, reside with you. And instead of going someplace to seek out or sorry, instead of data, instead of uh, content being pushed at you, think of an old fashioned website. You'll be able to engage with your, let's say, archaeologists in the online world in a way where you may be able to buy digital things uh, or in. Uh, uh, you'll get unlimited, around-the-clock attention, as much as you can afford, uh, from the band. And mm-hmm. uh, that mean, doesn't mean necessarily you have to pay for it, but they'll be putting up all kinds of stuff in their own little metaverse that, uh, if you're an arcells fan, you'll, you'll, you'll want to visit the, the arcells metaverse. You'll want to visit the, the Beatles metaverse. You'll maybe want to visit a, a metaverse that um, recreates Woodstock in 1969. It is going to be a real, it's a real transformative thing. I was just in in Singapore last week at a conference called All That Matters, and that's all that anybody was talking about, is this Web3 thing, how it's going to transform everything about the internet over the next uh, five to ten years, much like um, social media transformed the internet uh, when we started in about 2005, 2006. Um, And what we're finding, well, if if you're a gamer, for example, and you're playing online games, that's sort of the beginning that's the on-ramp to whatever the metaverse might end up being and i should point out that there is no one size fits all capital m metaverse it is going to be a series. it's just going to be another way to interact online but with more control over your data and more opportunities to collaborate more opportunities to create and more opportunities to own anything that you create online
0: uh, which clearly has some good and bad if it means the right people are making the money. So that's never a terrible thing. I sort of think of a couple pieces here. I think of it like a shopping mall that, uh, except this is all digital world stuff, but in a shopping mall, we can go to the Arkell's store. We could go to the Beatles store. And when you, we go to the mall, they track our phones, right? They know in the mall that the first destination most people go to is the Apple store. Then they know that you go to Starbucks second, right? Mm-hmm. Then you go to Tiffany third, so when they're building the mall, they create those stores at a perfect proximity. And by the way, if you want to rent the space in between those stores, you pay a premium. So it works really, really well that way. And I sort of hear this digital connection thing working in a similar fashion where if you want to get into that, that universe of those artists... That can be very valuable for you if they have the portfolio to do it, which is cool.
2: Which, now, which, is, also... which is possible, but that, that's only one way that the metaverse might work itself out. Again, we could end up with all these multi uh, – We well, we will end up with all these multi-metaverses that may not be connected. So if yeah. you just want to connect with the Arkell store, that's all you're going to connect with. And what happens to your data, well, again, it stays with you. And you have to give permission for somebody to track you. Right. So we this actually may be, it should be, it's designed to be uh, more private than what we have right now.
0: Fortnite did a really good job with some of their digital concerts they did, mostly around hip-hop. Demographically, that's really what they went after. But is this really that next growth generation for those who know, know those things? I mean, there was millions and millions and millions of young kids, my son included, that tuned in for those live events on Fortnite that probably tracked all of that information. And they knew exactly who was going to be. there.
2: Yes. With, with, with that particular thing, was, you know, Marshmallow was the big one. Like 10 million people were mm-hmm. at one point watching and dancing with avatars. That would be the Fortnite universe or Fortnite multiverse. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure people were tracked um, at, for, for those. They were. We, we know, for example, that uh, digital merchandise was sold within that metaverse. Uh, people made a lot of money selling fake, well, not fake, but digital T-shirts for avatars and so on. So this, um, this is still a wide open frontier. Let me, let me give you an idea of where it's actually going to benefit the artist. One of the most difficult things right now is to make sure an artist gets paid for some sort of digital content. Um, You know, let's say that you are, you know, you wrote a song and you were one of 24 different songwriters on a hip hop song, which is not unusual these days. How do you make sure that you get your share of the song's royalties if you're one of 24? Well, uh, by making songs available for the metaverse which is tied to okay we're gonna get weird here tied to the blockchain this public digital ledger that keeps track of and polices all transactions online you know exactly who's listened to your song who owns what piece of the song and who's owed payment for what piece that's that's going to be really really powerful uh for for artists Uh, another one would be um Rain made of Our Lady Peace uh, is part of a, a company that has created an app called Drop, with, spelled with two R's. And Drop uh, is a community-based uh, thing for Our Lady Peace fans, which will get Our Lady Peace fans into the Our Lady Peace metaverse, where they can in, in, enjoy as much Our Lady Peace and as much exclusive Our Lady Peace stuff as, as they want, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter where they are in the world. That can include, for example, something as simple as, hey, I'm at a show, uh, the band is online backstage, and they're talking to people in the audience, part of the community, you know, what do you want to see for the encore? You know, that kind of thing. Or it could be, hey, let's, uh, I'm going to go sign in and, and check out uh, Rainmaker's home recording studio, uh, which you can't get anywhere else. So it's um, it offers, you know, as much as we thought social media created this one-to-one connection with uh, between artist and fan, uh, we ain't seen nothing yet.
0: So, well, subscription is so powerful. I mean, if you took that, if you had a million Rain fans or Our Lady Peace fans that only paid something small like $5 a month for access to this, that's $5 million a month of of revenue in subscriptions. I mean, that turns out to be a lot of money for these bands, and that doesn't even include any of the possibilities that concerts, like when you watch a concert, virtual reality on a screen, you don't feel it. But if you're in a stadium, you feel Mm. it. And then if you add virtual reality to it, You feel it and you get that experience. I mean, you can sort of see where this is going. Oh, you
2: can. And it's here's one prediction that uh, tours, which are exhausting and expensive and bad for the environment, will start to see, well, we'll, will morph into a series of residencies in small venues where if if you want to see the band in the flesh, in live, well, you're going to pay for it. You can pay a lot. But uh, for a dollar or two dollars or five dollars or whatever, you'll be able to experience it online in this new way. Don't uh, forget anything that you've heard of or seen of up until now. And you could have, um, you know, five million people paying five dollars each to see a show, which is a pretty big gross for not having to move from whatever venue you're in. Give you an example. Um, BTS had an online show and they reached uh, simultaneously a million people in one hundred ninety one countries wow try doing that on the hook
0: right and it's just yeah and it's just free-flowing cash and it's paid and it's there it is it's in your account i mean that doesn't even get into the promoters and the cuts and the everything else that gets involved and by the way you know did james brown get paid before he was on stage at woodstock right like all of those storylines that stuff doesn't happen because it's paid before you go and this is it's instant. This is wild. It's a great. Uh, th- it's a great story. It's cool that you were there. I- I'm assuming you love Singapore. I do. I've been it's there times. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, really? Have. That's amazing, man. I've never been, but I've seen. I've. We had a, a friend here that we've met that's from there, and and uh, you see the photos and just what a cool, a cool thing. You can check out Alan Cross's podcast, The Ongoing History of New Music. It's at CuriousCast.ca. Give it a search. You can also go, of course, and. Um, You can see this article. I've taken the global article that Alan wrote. It is at shiftheads.ca to link nice and easy for everybody. This is the Shift Podcast.
1: I am a disco dancer.
0: A disco dancer. He's a glow stick waver. He's a lot of fun, but he's handsome and handy. Take that, Red Green. Andy Brar is here.
3: Hey, I, I caught your uh, interview that you did with Alan Cross. I have a, a great Alan Cross story. Uh, I met him, guess where? In Las Vegas at the Consumer oh, yeah. Electronic Show. <laughs> and um, he, was, uh, he was actually doing a live Facebook show for this podcast that he had uh, called Beats and Geeks at the time. And so I knew about it and I said, Alan, I'm like, listen, and this is the first time I'm meeting him. I'm like, they call me Handy Andy. I'm like, whatever you need in Vegas, I, I got you. You want me to film video? You want me to edit? You want me to host? I'll do anything. And so I was on, they had me as a roving reporter going on the trade show while they're doing this live show. So I recorded these videos and then they used that in the live show. It looked oh. like it was live because they would cut to me. But it was all pre-recorded. But the actual show that they did was live. And t- I'm telling you, you, to do a tech show, li- a live show from a tech show when there's 170,000 people and every tech problem that could go wrong will go wrong, it's amazing. And it, it went pretty smooth. So, uh, yeah. Oh, cool. that's, uh, that, that was the first time. Made and, and you know what he did for the favor? He was like, you know what? You did all of this great stuff. I have an extra ticket to go see David Lee Roth. Do you want to come? And I'm like, wow,
0: I get to go see okay. David Lee Roth with Alan Cross and that's that that's a true story. He is a um he's a really nice guy and he's really fantastic and um and just a just a genuine fella. I mean, he when Alan Cross comes to town, he calls and you know, get together, go for coffee and hang out. I mean, I've known him for a long time. And there was a season there where I did the evening show for a season on uh, Edge 102 in Toronto. And he was on in between the afternoons and the evenings for his hour-long show there, and uh, you know, so we got to talk there, and, and so yeah, so we made buds over the over the course of over time. It's really cool, nice guy. Oh, and he's just got so
3: many good stories, you know, of, mm-hmm. of different artists. He's just it's it's just what a what a fun experience to to be able to share music stories and you know to see him like he he's really up to date in in what he knows about like you know what's going on with the yeah, metaverse yeah. and the music industry like it's, it's something I follow a lot as well. So um, the, actually, when I was in business school, Shane, my thesis was on digital innovations for the music industry. And I actually predicted back then, this was around 2006, that Facebook was going to be huge. I'm like, oh, bands can like, you know, manage their their whole like audience and their fan clubs on Facebook. I'm like, they're going to blow up. And sure enough, that, that kind of happened. So to see with TikTok and how that, intertwines with the music industry and the analytics. That was just a fascinating uh, interview there. I really enjoyed it.
0: Oh, cool. Thank you. HandyAndyMedia.com if you want to check out Andy's stuff. He has his own fascinating content that he shares there as well. He does the DIY stuff. He does the gadgets and all the geekery really cool and uh where are you gonna take us today andy are we doing some uh, gadgets are we doing uh, the geekery or what are we up to yeah, we're gonna do a little bit
3: of both shane we're gonna we're gonna do handy gadgets that you could use in your life um, to solve a problem that you probably have now i know my parents have this problem they have these old slides mm-hmm. i don't what was it from like the 60s or the 70s that slides were like a thing back then Oh, yeah. In the
0: 80s, too. Yeah. You'd get your negatives and you would get them um, turned into a single slide of a negative and it would just go into the carousel of slides. I mean, we had slideshows even as presentations before digital PowerPoints were a thing. They were very common in, in presentations for, you know, through the 80s and stuff like that, for sure. Yeah. And the reason why I knew they had this is like, you know, when you're a kid, you're kind of just
3: looking through all the closets and I would see these slides and there was this like machine with this bright light and it had like a magnifying glass so you could see the slides. I remember that. Well, I know that a lot of people still have that because no one's going to throw it away when you have these family memories. But the question is, what do you do with those in 2022? Well, believe it or not, Kodak, that, that tried and tested true brand Kodak the, the makers of that, they had the name a Kodak Moment. I don't know if you remember that, Shane, from like the 80s and 90s. Well, Absolutely. they're still around. They're still around. And they have this little tiny device that you can buy on Amazon called the Kodak Mobile Fim, Film Scanner. This thing is actually just made out of like really premium cardboard. But it's designed where you put your slides underneath. It has this little light that, that shines on it. So it takes two AA batteries. And then on the top, you lay your smartphone. And there's a little hole where the camera goes, and it comes with a corresponding app. And you just lay your camera, you poke it through that little hole right onto your slide, and then you can take pictures of everything. So you can take those old slides, digitize them, and have them on your phone. You can then share them on Facebook or save them on Google Photos or what have you. But it's a great way to take those old, old memories and bring it into the modern age. And it only costs around $56. So I put a link on my website if people are interested in buying this. Um, just go to my website, handyandymedia.com and you'll find the Kodak Mobile Film Scanner, a great little gadget to uh, bring old, old slides and film negatives back to life.
0: Yeah, which is cool because, I mean, what do you do with that? I know my parents have gone through this. They're like, well, what do we do with it? We don't want to throw it out. You save the photos, but then what about the negatives, right? And and the negatives take up a lot less space anyway, but you can't really use them anymore. So this is kind of a cool way to maybe archive them, especially in today's world where this endless subscription to clouding, uh, cloud storage because you got to store it somewhere. You're paying rent on someone's server. It's never going to go away. And the
3: thing is, the holod- the holidays are the perfect time to do this because I learned this. When the families get together, what I did one year is I got this really fancy scanner from Epson to review, and it was a photo scanner. It could do batch photos where you could just take a whole bunch of them, and put them in, and it just scans all the photos. So I told all my family members, I'm like, bring the photo albums to this Christmas party. And then... I got like my 10-year-old cousin. I set it all up. I go, okay, so your job for the rest of the night is to take these photos out, put them in here, and scan them. And you know what? It worked out. And once I got all those digital scans, I shared it with different family members. I created virtual photo albums that you can share with people, and they loved it. So taking this is like to the next level. And then after that, it's like scanning our VHSs and all those other types of old medium. Every single family needs to do this because those memories, you know, you want future generations to be able to see it. Of course, like you said, all of that can go into the cloud. And if you do have photo albums, you still want to have like a backup copy that you could store away, say, you know, in a in a, a safe or something like that. Because if the fire, you know, when there's a house fire, the, the thing that people miss the most are the pictures.
0: Yeah, it's true. Very true. HandyAndyMedia.com if you want to connect with Andy Barrar. Echo dot is um you know much like the uh, Alexa you know you know not as fancy if i understand it correctly i've never had one the small little puck that is kind of like the um the apple's home mini mini pod thing um uh, but older simpler technology right
3: that's right so for a lot of people you know when we talk about smart speakers On the Amazon side, the Echo Dot is probably the the easiest and most affordable one to to kind of get a smart speaker. They're about the size of a hockey puck. You can put them around your room. Amazon basically wants it to have like every room to have one of these. And that's when you can use the Alexa as a trigger word to ask questions or play music or or what have you. But I know that there was, you guys probably talked about this last week. Amazon had that big event where they were showcasing the, the new products. But there was a small little feature that they mentioned that I had to talk about because it's mind-blowing. So these Echo Dots, what they're doing is because Amazon also creates a Wi-Fi system called Eero. Uh, It's their kind of way of bringing your Wi-Fi network inside your home. But what they're doing with these old Echo Dots is on October 20th, they're going to do an update. And some of these older dots are now going to turn into mesh Wi-Fi extenders for that Eero router. So if you have these Eero mesh where you have different satellites across your room, these Echo Dots are going to connect to that and extend your Wi-Fi network. So it's just like one of these things that I I don't even know how they can pull that off on a software update inside that little tiny Echo Dot. But Mm -hmm. That is a game changer, and it's going to put them ahead, I think, of Google and Apple. But I won't be surprised if they follow suit. So all of these little smart speakers are going to turn into Wi-Fi extenders in the near future. Um, We obviously have the technology, and as people move to Wi-Fi 6, which is the next generation of the Wi-Fi standard, I think this is like basically what I'm trying to say is dead spots are are a thing of the past with this new technology.
0: I mean, it'll be expensive to do, but then you would have a speaker everywhere, you'd have coverage everywhere, and you'd be able to get your Wi-Fi signal in that corner of your house where you're sitting there and you're holding your phone up and you're like, lift your left leg so I can get a signal, right? I mean, it drives people crazy. Yeah. And the big problem that it really solves, and I've seen this countless times, Shane, is people want to have a
3: DIY home security setup that's connected through their Wi-Fi network. So they buy these cameras and they always return them. They go, "They they don't work. Yeah, they do work. The problem is they strong require enough. strong Wi-Fi. And so these little extenders, when if you have an old Echo Dot and you buy that Eero system, it's going to extend your Wi-Fi and help you get those cameras to stay connected because they do need a strong signal. A lot of times, obviously, the cameras are outside and that's the, where the weakness signal is for a lot of homes
0: yeah, and you can get um you can get those those plug-in ones. they look like a puck. they just plug in the wall and they connect to you know Shaw and Rogers or whatever you know they connect to your your mesh and and they do help, but they're not like this. they're not they're not smart. They just basically rebroadcast the signal and they don't add anything else to it. And I've heard some people complain about those not being very strong either.
3: And if you get the older kind, some of them actually will create a different Wi-Fi network instead of the connected to the same one. So oh, really? if you have a weak Wi-Fi, it causes such headaches. I was at an Airbnb in the States recently, and they did that. And you can imagine me. I just get all mad about the Wi-Fi signal <laughs> at Airbnb. Airbnb. I left the guy instructions and products of what he should buy to, oh, did you- to fix that.
0: <laughs> YouTube is in your news that you're sharing with us, Andy. They're trying to make back some of the money they're clearly losing to TikTok. Yeah,
3: TikTok, it seems that everybody is talking about TikTok these days. And I know if you're a little bit older listener, you probably haven't been on TikTok, but I'm telling you, all the kids are on it. It is the most popular social media app right now. And it, it Google, YouTube, all of these companies are losing sleep on it because all the eyeballs are on TikTok. Now, YouTube came up with shorts. They got into this short form video content where people are watching 10, 15 second types of videos. Now, when YouTube introduced shorts, the way that they saw it was for people to find creators that were on YouTube. It's like, oh, I just saw one of your short videos and now I subscribe to your channel and that would be your revenue stream. But then TikTok comes along with these short videos and now, like you were talking about earlier, are becoming huge stars on TikTok and Even artists are are getting signed by record labels. YouTube looks at this and saying, how are we going to win this short form video content? And the way they're gonna do it is a couple ways. One, they're just gonna pay out more to creators. They're gonna try to get some of the biggest short form video creators out there and tell them, hey, keep making your videos, just post it on YouTube and we'll give you a better cut of the revenue. So that's one way that they're gonna try to do it. And the other way is they're finding that people that are making short form video really, really rely on music. Now, of course, you can make your own music and become famous that way on TikTok. Or you could be a creator who needs to use music. Maybe you're a dancer and you just want some music. So YouTube, being that they have YouTube music, has those relationships with the big studios. So they're going to create this kind of creator music platform. Where creators can then find music, get the licensing, the revenue sharing options with the uh, with the uh, artist, and then try to make the videos from that. And I don't know if the kids are going to go on YouTube to get short form video. I'm interested in what oh, Ryan right. thinks because I ha- I don't watch any of these short form videos on YouTube, and I don't think younger people do either. Ryan, you
1: can confirm for for us. N- no, it's kind of just like there sometimes you search up something super specific and the first thing you will see is a short but um, and they're not bad don't get me wrong it's just not what YouTube is for YouTube is for 10 minute videos about how to cook a turkey or fix your pipes and plumbing stuff right like that's what YouTube is for and I have YouTube premium I enjoy it but I would if I I had to uh, endure an ad in front of the short stuff no 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 No, thank you.
0: Yeah, well, but you know what? That's going to come on TikTok too, right? I mean, all those things, they all start out with free and no ads and everything else. And I mean, that day will come with maximizing the money. So yeah, I mean, it always goes back to the same thing. They've essentially, when it all started, Netflix and all of them, they all started with saying, you know, this is the cheap alternative where you can come in and you know watch our stuff. And then what do they do? They go back to essentially functioning like TV used to with commercial breaks. And that's what they're all, they all always go back to, I mean, TV nailed it because that's what, that's what happened. Same thing with radio and the free version of Spotify. You listen to a couple of songs, you can't skip them. You get a commercial, right? So they've all gone back to the way it was anyway. Nothing is, nothing's new anymore. No. And, uh,
3: what YouTube really doesn't understand is what makes TikTok so powerful is that algorithm. That is the most powerful algorithm in the world. Shane, it is so powerful. I I was on TikTok for like a week and I had to get off. I was like, I can't stop watching videos. It knows me. It's just feeding the beast. And I can't imagine if I was 13 years old, oh my God, I would be on TikTok all day long. So YouTube really needs to realize that to know how to compete. And you got to remember, we won't use Huawei phones, right? But we use TikTok, and that algorithm came from China, and it is still the most powerful algorithm in the world. But nobody cares because we get to watch cool, fun videos on our smartphone.
0: Well, and we get the stupid stuff. Uh, The kids uh, in China where it's from, they get all the smart stuff. So they get the educational things. We get the stupid things as well. Okay, sports streaming. we got to be quick on this one, Andy. is very frustrating if you are a user versus the TV users because it's still a long ways away from being good.
3: I found an amazing stat that really shows why sports streaming has not taken off. Because you think about it, everyone's trying to do live bets and bets that happen in real time. On TV, if you're watching something, the delay is anywhere from like 6 seconds to 15 seconds. When you're live sports streaming, that delay is from 45 seconds to 60 seconds. So you can imagine, 45 seconds – something could happen in sports and someone's watching on tv and text you before you see it on your streaming and i think that is why sports streaming is is doomed to fail and i'd be impressed if it can make a you know actually win out and and become the de facto way we
0: watch sports i know that if i watch my tv which is over broadband of course uh in two different tvs in the house you can hear that they're on different sync